0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 463 for Monday, August 26th, 2013.
1: And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geekab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We share it all, we answer everything, we try to share everything that we know each and every time we get together, which is really tough when you're trying to do that in an hour, except for us, because we don't know a whole lot. Now, here I am in Durham, New Hampshire, Dave Hamilton.
0: And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun, and then handing the baton back to...
2: Durham, New Hampshire, not in the exact same place as Dave, but awfully close. It's Pilot Pete.
1: Thanks for having me back, guys. It's been a while. Many would say it's, it's, it's nice to have you. Many would say that it's almost that our difference in location is almost a rounding error. There you H- go. However, if that <laughs> error were corrected, you and I would have a big problem. That would hurt. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, John, I believe that this show, as uh, many recently have been, is a prime number, 463. You sure? Quick. I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking on Wikipedia, and I believe it is prime. So you know, yeah, I believe it's prime. Right? Am I wrong about that?
0: I I mean, it is a prime number. It's the sum of
1: seven consecutive primes uh, prior to it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I kid you not. I crap you negative.
2: Interesting.
1: All right. Uh so let's go. Let's uh let's get to the show now that I've totally derailed everyone <laughs> with one simple comment. Ow, I like brain. I <laughs> like the time. power. That's good. All right. Uh Danny writes. Uh we've got a bunch of tips to share here so we'll start with Danny's. He says I have finally found the issue about my uh, the solution to my issue about my automatically hiding doc and wanted to share. We had talked about danny 's issue where his doc would just hide at it. times that he couldn't quite figure out and come back and it, he was having all kinds of trouble. He says the solution came to me after realizing that command c uh, for copying an item quit working, checking in system preferences, short keyboard shortcuts. I noticed that command C was actually paired to the hide dock item. No idea why, but that's what was causing it. So, yeah, very, very interesting. And and it's a good tip in that, uh, in addition to troubleshooting, you can assign pretty much anything to uh, a lot of these UI interfaces. Uh, assigning command C to one is, you know, an odd choice, I'll say. But uh, but obviously, it wasn't what Danny intended. But still, very uh, very interesting if you go in on your mac to uh, system preferences keyboard keyboard shortcuts you can see what's there but you can change them or add them if they are not listed for the item that you find so
2: oh and there's a restore defaults button too
0: which is nice yeah, that might be what Danny needs yeah yeah that's right that's right yeah and it's worth mentioning that this setting actually lives in so if you go to system preferences personal dock that is where this setting uh, normally lives of course, I guess you can map to it and then, right. uh, automatically hide and show the dock, which personally I leave off because, yeah, I find it uh, disconcerting.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, depending on screen size, um, I, I find hiding the dock. I actually stopped hiding the dock on my MacBook Air as soon as uh, I started moving to full screen mode on things because that hides the dock and, and solves that problem for me. All right, you want me to just play Graham here as we head into our series of 3 safari tips and then you and then you'll talk about it, John, is that right?
0: Uh, I have a little bit dad, but yes, yeah. All oh. right, here we go. Graham, take it away. Hi John and Dave and maybe
1: pilot Pete. Andy, Graham here. Just thought I'd share a little thing that I found in Safari the other day that I wasn't aware was there. I'm looking in Safari 6.0.5 on my Macbook Pro, which is running 10.8.4, when I highlight a piece of text in Safari that is not a hyperlink, but which is a web address, so it has an HTTP type string to it, after highlighting it, I can now right-click on it, and one of the options that comes up is to open that address in a new tab or new window. I don't recall seeing this before, so I just thought that other people might not know it's there either.
0: Hope that's of help. Cheers.
1: Thanks, Graham. Much appreciated.
0: Mr. Braun. Uh, the only thing I'll add here, so I did look this up because I was curious about this, Dave. Yeah. How, uh, so, of course, you do have a contextual menu available from Safari, and actually I will paste this in our chat room here. Um, you can actually learn a bit more about this when this applies, and that Apple does have, I believe it's still a distinct, and I believe it's a free program, is that you can join the Safari developer program. That's right. And if you dig in, and you'll see I pasted the link here, but they have a whole article here about contextual menus uh, within Safari. And uh, it not only applies to when you hover over a, a, a URL or, or a hyperlink, Um, But actually, uh, you will see different contextual menus when you are in the toolbar, the bookmarks bar, uh, what they call an extension bar, the tab bar or the contents of a Web page. So they go into a bit more detail here. Now, unfortunately, my my goal was to see, you know, is there a way for one to fiddle with this? And as far as I can tell with the latest version of Safari, that is, uh, I, I did find some utilities that are no longer available or working that would let you modify those settings. I think right now, pretty much the accepted method, though, of extending the functionality of Safari is uh, Safari extensions. Yeah, that I, that's probably right. Yeah. In fact, I'm sure that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this functionality is actually buried in the application uh, itself. Right. There's a few others, actually. And right. actually, there's, uh, yeah, that there's no way for the user to really control this, is that what you get is what you get. But yeah, right. certainly, depending on the type of content that you highlight, um, yeah if you haven't looked at the contextual menu in safari check it out because you can do all sorts of things you can uh save contents directly to disk uh if it thinks it's appropriate for for you to do that
1: right so. right yeah no it's cool that that if even if it's not i mean like like graham pointed out if it's not a link it safari is still smart enough to say hey this looks like it could be so let's go open it in a new window and see what happens yeah it's good All right, uh, moving on to James, because James has yet another Safari tip. Probably one, in fact, certainly one that we've covered before, but it's probably been a while. Uh, He says, I started having problems with Safari loading websites very slowly or not at all. I tried various things, including a system reboot, but nothing I tried fixed the problem. I finally remembered a tip I heard long ago about Safari's reset Safari option. I used this option and now websites are loading like they should have. The reset Safari option is one of the options displayed when you click Safari in the menu bar. And indeed, yeah, it um it will reset a lot of uh Safari's caches, and that can really, really help. Um you can in fact you get to pick what you want it to reset nowadays. And uh and that can it can I've I've seen it help too. I've uh I'm trying to remember, I guess that's where we do caches in Safari now. There used to be an empty caches uh, option in Safari, but uh, but now it's it's just this with reset Safari, and you get to pick what you're what you're doing and what you're not doing. So good stuff. Anything on that, John?
0: Absolutely. Go, <laughs> of course. Good. Okay. So so I believe this is a compliment to this, Dave. But if you are noticing uh, issues with your browser, uh, the other place to look is to take one of uh, our favorite utilities, Onyx. And they do have a subset of functions here. So if you go into Onyx and you go to cleaning, there is an Internet category and it has a whole bunch of good stuff here. And I think some of it is redundant, but some is not uh, in that you can clear out the DNS cache, the browser cache, download cache. Like like you were saying, they have a lot of these caches, uh, browser history, recent searches uh, and so on. Uh, so you can get Onyx and look at this here, but it's a, it's a feature built into Onyx. So uh, I think Onyx will do a little bit more than this reset Safari thing, and that it does more general stuff, not not just Safari. But it's uh, worth looking here if you are having uh, issues with your browser.
1: Cool. Uh, I also did find John that the empty caches uh, option did not go away entirely. It did move out of the Safari menu. I believe that happened with Mountain Lion. Uh, but if you have enabled Safari's develop menu, which you do in Safari's preferences, advanced, uh, you check the little show Develop menu in menu bar option. If you have enabled that in the develop menu, you will find empty caches and also disable caches, which is probably not something you'd want to do on a regular basis, but, uh, but there it is. So yes, you can just empty the caches, which also I've found can solve some really pesky Safari issues. And, uh, And as a bonus tip, John, perhaps a bonus tip on top of the bonus tip. Well, I wanted to know. I thought, well, this is weird because I could have sworn I'd done empty caches in Safari since Mountain Lion because it's been out for a while. And and I thought, you know, it's got to be somewhere. And I sort of glanced through the menus and I couldn't find it. So with Safari up, I went to the help menu. And then at the very top of the help menu, you get a search option. And I typed in cache, C-A-C-H-E. And it shows me. Uh, two menu items at the top of that search result. And when you float over either one of them, it actually opens the menu and points at what you're looking for. So if you're in an app that has a lot of menus or a lot of things buried in menus, then you're looking for an option. You cannot find this is the way to find it handy, huh? John?
0: Fantastic. It's what we do.
1: All right. Uh, Scott has uh has an interesting take on as safari. Well, it's a tip, isn't it?
3: Hey, John and Dave, this is Scott in DC. I have a quick tip for you. Uh, I found this first on my iPad, but this also works on the iPhone. You know, you keep clicking through emails and you open up web pages. Well, the iPhone limits you to eight web pages and it's a little easier to close the pages because the buttons are a little bigger. But if you have large fingers like I do, sometimes it's difficult to press on those little X's on the tab on the iPad. So what you do is you go into system preferences and you go to the Safari, down to the Safari menu and you go to the section there that says turn on uh, private browsing, and then once you do that, and you switch on pri- private browsing, which you know a lot of people call porn mode, but uh you know it, it is private browsing. that has a second. You turn, you turn. On private browsing, and the first thing that will pop up is, say, close all tabs, and you press the button that says close all, and it closes all the tabs. So if you have a lot of tabs open and you don't want to go through and try to poke at the little X for each individual one, just turn private browsing off and then on again. Iowa on and then off again, and and you'll get the, the dialogue twice, but that's okay. At least that button's a little easier to press than, than all those little Xs. And, oh, by the way, when you do private browsing, private browsing turns on the DNT uh, header option, which is the do not track option uh, for websites. For those that, that actually follow it, and they should be. And also does not save... Any history or any cookies, even uh, uh, what is supposed to be disk space persistent cookies. Uh, it could be a pain for sites you log into all the time. You may want to live with that. Um, that's it. I hope this helps somebody and have fun and have a nice day. Don't get caught.
1: Thanks, Scott. That's awesome. I, uh, I, I see, we got the bonus tip built into that one. With the uh, Do Not Track
0: (laughs) header. That's great. I like it. That is a good one. I saw something recently online that just made me chuckle, but it was a uh, MediAlert bracelet. And what it said on it was delete my browsing history. (laughs) That's so awesome. (laughs) It found delete my browsing history. That's good. That's because not good. only is Scott implied that, you know, certain adult content, you may not want people to see that you've been looking at that, but that there's certainly other content that you don't want in your history that give people uh, breadcrumbs to find out, uh, you know, personal information. Yeah. So, uh, yeah.
1: Like, I mean, it sort of fits in. It's like, in you know, a very, very light way, uh, sort of as a tack on to our conversation about, you know, Tor browsing and all of that stuff. I mean, this this is not that, but at least this keeps what you've done uh, from Leaving any crumbs behind on your computer, other computers that you visited may know you were there, but that's a whole different thing. Right. You know, it's so it's private on one side, I guess, is is the important thing to remember with private browsing. Uh, the people, the, the websites that you visited still get your IP address. And if you sign up and put your name in, well, then they know that, too. So, yeah, it's good. All right, John, uh, before so I, I want to have th- there's a there's a discussion that, uh, frankly, that I've been avoiding uh, because it's very difficult to talk about, I think. Not not that I have. And now that I'm here, you're willing to have it. What's yeah, it? No. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. That's yes. Right. Pete. Thank you, Pete. Um, and, and it's it's about secure email. Uh, and and I'm, I think it's great. We, and we should talk about it. It's just some of the nitty gritty gets very difficult to uh, to teach audibly but uh, but i think we're going to be able to solve that first though i want to talk about our first sponsor for this show which is connected data and the transporter now you've heard us talk about it long listeners have heard us talk about the transporter before new listeners the transporter is by far the easiest way to get set up with private cloud and by private cloud i mean you want to have data that you that is stored in the cloud accessible from anywhere but you don't being private you don't want it stored on someone else's servers where potentially they could access your data so with private cloud you're storing it on your own server and the transporter from connected data which is now becoming part of drobo i believe uh the transporter is that server out of the box it is a private cloud server you put, you install it, or you pull it out of the box. You plug it into your network, and uh, install the software, and away you go. And you get this uh, syncing ability where you uh, put stuff in a folder on your Mac, and that folder is synced up to the transporter. You can access it whether you're on your local network or on. Uh, a network from afar and you can also give friends or family members access to uh, your transporter and specific folders on your transporter if you choose to do so coworkers as well and you can then of course have not of course you can then have two transporters that sync up with one another and uh, and so that's the that's the gist of this um the great news is that they have just revved their software and uh, transporter version 2.0 is out for those that want it. Uh, they um, it is, it is in what they're calling early access and they've got a blog post about it. Uh, they're taking a phased approach to rolling this software out uh, and upgrading the install base and kind of rolling new people in every 72 hours or so. If you want to fast track yourself on this because you already have a transporter, you can do so by logging in at the at the normal management website, secure.connecteddata.com. And you can download the installer right there so you don't have to wait to get the invitation. They wanted us to tell you if you are interested in having it right away. And trust me, you're you're going to want this if you've got a transporter. Uh you can get it right away. All new transporters. If you were to order one today and get it shipped to you, they all come with 2.0 out of the box. So you're okay there. Uh, 2.0 is, uh, the, the interface is so much simpler. As I said, it just uses a folder. There's no real weird file system thing happening on your Mac. Um, the, uh, they they've worked a lot on the connectivity so that you can access it better when you're at you know at, at on weird networks remotely and that sort of thing but really the, the the big increase is is this standard folder structure that's that's stored on your Mac so Time machine can back it up. It works like Dropbox now. So if you move a file in, it's not in both places. Uh, you know, it's not in its original location and also in your transporter folder. It's only there. Uh, it makes a whole lot more sense now uh, for for the general user, and I think that's really important. Again, this is the simplest way to get private cloud, and uh, I encourage you to check it out. You can go to uh, filetransporter.com. I believe it's filetransporter.com/mgg. And uh, that will bring you to their website, and it lets them know that we sent you. When you buy from them, though, and this is where it gets really important, if you use the coupon code MACGEEKGAB, uh, you get 10% off, which can actually save you quite a bit. Uh, with a one terabyte drive, the transporter is $299. With a 2 terabyte drive, it's just 100 bucks more, $399. Or you can get it with no drive. If you have your own 2.5-inch drive to put in, you can get it for $199 any of those options bought directly from transporter with the coupon code Mac uh, gets you uh, 10% off. So if you're buying a two, two, two terabyte transporter, you know, you're saving almost 40 bucks. So, uh, so that's, that's that, that's worth doing. Uh, check it out. filetransporter.com slash MGG and uh, let us know what you think. We very much appreciate it. All right, John, with that, in mind i did promise that we were going to try this uh conversation and and one thing happened this week i actually did a um conversation about microphones with allison sheridan which went up today so uh that's part of her uh nozilla cast and we'll put a link in to the uh show notes for that and afterwards we started talking about she asked me and so many people pilot pete Kind of, you know, without being prompted, asked me about email security. She asked me about email security. John, you and I have been talking about it sort of behind the scenes for a month now, right? Why? Why could this be? Well, yeah, <laughs> I actually, you know, I created my, I created some new certs um, before this NSA thing happened, but, uh, but I'm sure glad that you know that I did and I got it all sorted out. But, uh, but you know, the 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 issue was. We're going to talk about what this is and how to do it, but a lot of the nitty-gritty gets too nitty-gritty for us to explain to you and expect you to remember. So, Allison does have a way to help us with that, and with that, I'm going to let her, uh, she'll explain, and and then we'll dive in. Hi John and Dave, Allison Sheridan of the No Silicast Podcast here. Back in March on episode 412 of my show, Bart Bouchatz walked us through how to set up sign and encrypted email on mail.app on the Mac and also on iOS he gave us this in a, you know, verbal way because it's a verbal podcast. And after we got off the air, I sat down and walked through step-by-step what Bart had taught me with his help coming in and out on Skype to uh, help me make sure I did it right and created a set of tutorials to actually walk people step-by-step through how to do this. I thought you guys might like this. I've put a a link in the email here that will show you uh, three separate tutorials. One, how to set up encrypted and signed email in Apple Mail. The second one, how to export your certificate and private key. And then and the third and final step how to read encrypted and signed emails on ios i hope you guys like it talk to you again soon thanks so much allison this is uh this is the key that we were looking for here and we'll also uh. well, <laughs> did you get did you like that john uh it, the, and and so but i will look to uh, i'm glad that you're here, Pete, A, yeah, yeah. because you asked about it, but B because you're here to kind of make sure we're we're explaining this and and not going too fast. But uh, but I'm also gonna look to uh and say hello to everybody in the chat room at MacGeekGab.com slash stream to do the same thing here on this uh this Monday afternoon. So the general gist, we're we're gonna do this in in a way that we hope makes sense to you. The general gist is uh you can, in, in, and Allison has given us instructions here that, that we can direct you to and will direct you to, but you can create uh, your own secure keys and we'll explain what all this is in a minute, but you go and create your own secure keys. You install them into your max keychain, and then magically OS 10 mail uh, will show you two new buttons on every email that you send. One is that is a little check mark or an X if it's off that allows you to sign that email and say, you know, with a with a very uh, uh, distinct way, you can say this email came from me. And then the other allows you to encrypt the email if, in fact, you're synced up with the person that you're sending it to by having them sign an email to you so that you have their key to encrypt it with. And it really is, once it's installed, it is that simple. You just launch mail. You don't have to do anything else. And you get the ability to sign your emails. And if you have uh, exchange signatures with uh, somebody else, then you can encrypt emails to that person. Uh, and it's, it, it's brilliant. Uh, that's using a piece of technology called SMIME, S slash M-I-M-E. That's what's built into mail. There is also a way to use PGP and really open PGP with a set of utilities called GPG tools, which is available for free to download. Uh, GPG tools actually uses the same functionality inside mail. It uses the same buttons even so that you have uh, a similar interface, but it's using just a different set of encryption standards. The problem with GPG mail is twofold. Number one. Both people have to manually install it on both ends. So not only do you have to create your keys, but you have to install some software, but it's free. And number two, the first method, because it's built into Apple Mail, is also built into iOS Mail. So you can send and receive encrypted emails and signed emails right there from your iPhone inside the mail client. With GPG, you need a third party app. So these are two ways. And it really is as simple as I've explained once you've installed it. You set them, set up a new message and right there in the, uh, you know, right there in the header section, you get little checkboxes uh, or, or buttons rather. I guess, John, is the right way to say it, right, that you can turn on or off and uh, and it works. And and you and I have been doing it for
0: quite a while now, in fact, and it uh, it works great. Yes, we have. Yes. Um, I want to clarify, just, just to add a little bit here, which yeah. I think is still on the application side, because yep. yeah, my, my problem, I think, <laughs> unfortunately, understanding the bits and bytes and the technology here, uh, one quickly dives into the terminology and then people get lost. And, and, yeah. we want and really we're going to try to avoid that.
1: We're, well, we're going to get to the terminology and get to some of, well, not so much, maybe not so much of the terminology, but but some of the underlying structure of what you're doing when you're encrypting and signing an email and what that actually means. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I want oh. you to know that once, once you install this and it really isn't that bad to install, but there's a couple of hoops you got to jump through. Once you install it, it is super easy to do on both your Mac and iOS.
0: So right. go ahead. The, John. Uh, well, I, I just want to create, uh, I want to separate because in the past we have talked about this when we've been talking about email and how to set it up. Yep. So I just want to differentiate what we're going to talk about with what we've talked about in the past is when you set up mail and you, you set up your account and the ports and the servers and stuff like that, one thing that you can do in Apple Mail is to say, please use this thing called SSL to secure my mail. And what that's doing is different from what you and I are gonna talk about. That is securing the email going from your computer to an email server, and that's equally important. Yes. But it's not, but it's not a full solution, but, but it's better than nothing. So so one well, it's it's
1: good because your password is not being sent in the clear. I think that's the most important part of that, right? Is is that you're not sending your email password in the clear when you're doing this
0: encrypted tunnel? There's more to it than that, but that's right. But yeah, but also when the email is going from your computer to at least to or from the email server, if you enable this thing called SSL, um, it will protect what's happening between you and the email server, right? So that's a good first step but what you and I are going to talk about now actually protects the contents. Yeah, you
1: you said it you 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 encapsulated it great in our pre-show John. You said with SSL or TLS enabled in your mail client, you get to secure the connection and with what we're going to talk yes. about here, you secure the payload. So, it it totally because and and where that's important is if I send you an email John I'm sending it to my mail server encrypted. Great. You're receiving it from your mail server encrypted. Great. So it's been encrypted everywhere that it's been sort of in the wild. But it's now sitting on both my computer and your computer, one in my sent folder, two in your received folder, in unencrypted form. And on the server. In and form. on the server in unencrypted While form. While it's Thank sitting for, there, yes. Yeah. Well, and if you have IMAP mail, it's sitting on the server potentially forever. Right. And after six months, it's public domain. That's right. And that's actually really important, Pete. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and mention that.
2: Yeah, well, after the, uh, I forget the exact name of the law, but essentially, email that sits on the server for longer than six months, uh, by law, is considered mm. abandoned. And simply, no warrant, no nothing, simply a letter from law enforcement saying, you know what, Dave Hamilton's email account is of interest to us in an investigation we're conducting. Please uh, forward all emails older than 180 days to us. And every email, I know you go back years on your Gmail. Yeah. I do every email for years and years and years gets dumped right to law enforcement. No warrant, no.
1: I have no idea that this has happened.
2: Oh, potentially. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Potent- oh, yeah. And there's and there's no need to inform you. You, right. you, you don't matter. In that's this. up to my provider. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. And and I'm certain. I I, I in, in my in my heart I have no evidence of this, but I'm certain that Google and Yahoo and MSN and all those people are complying with requests like this on a daily basis.
0: I'm sure they are. And, sure. And if you want to see this and then I'll hand it back to you here, Dave. But if yeah. you want to see this, and, and this actually, I did this just to give myself a warm fuzzy that this encrypted email stuff works. Yeah. If you go to your uh, if you go to your home folder, library, mail, v2. Now, we, we've touched on this before, but I want to touch on it again because it's, it's relevant to this conversation, yeah. I think. If you go into that folder um, and you dig a little deeper, and then you're going to see folders that are specific to your um, each of your email accounts. Yeah. And then there's going to be an inbox folder. But if you keep digging, eventually you're going to get to the point where you're going to see the raw email messages. I think it's an EMLX file. I, I that's right. Exact- no, that's exactly right. Yeah. But if you look at that file, and this is how the, this may you know shock some people here, but uh, you know, it's, it's good, I think. But if you look at, and actually here, I'm digging in. You got to dig in, but it's E-L, uh, EMLX emlx is, yeah. is the raw email file if you click on that you're going to see the email in all its plain unencrypted anybody can read it glory yeah so.
1: the reason apple standardized on these emlx files is because it uh, spotlight works really well when it can index individual files so having inbox files where all the emails are stored kind of in a, in a, in one encapsulated in one file, not as easy for spotlight to, to, oh. to search. So they, they move to this, but either way, even an inbox file, it's just stored in plain text. It's it, you know, you, that's what you used. I mean, these are standards uh, that, you know, that are published out there and it's not unique to Apple. This now, is, yeah,
0: go ahead. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here. But you just brought up in a very important point here. And I, I, I I'm not sure what the answer is. I, I think I know what it is, but, encrypted emails i don't believe are going to be indexed by spotlight no i don't okay um
1: you know that's something we'd have to test oh and and the only reason i have hesitation there is because with these smime emails which is the the kind that allison's tutorial points us to uh to setting up the kind that's built in by default to mail on at your mac and ios (gasps) Mm. if it's built in by default perhaps spotlight is able to so it does index them. I don't, we're going to have to try it. So what we're, what we're going to do, John is we'll send each other an email with a very, uh, with a, a phrase that doesn't exist anywhere else. And then we search for it, right? That's the, that, that's the real trick. So, uh, so I'm going to send you this email while we're talking about this and I'm going to encrypt Super it. Supercalifragilistice. Uh, well, <laughs> let's, let's see. So test email. And then inside the email, I am going to put the phrase, uh, how come it won't secure it? There it is. Okay. So I am going to put, uh, uh, let's see. Mac geek, uh, no spaces is live now. Come and get it. So I will paste that into the chat room too. (laughs) And, uh, and I'm sending you this email. So once you get it, then you can search with, with spotlight. And certainly by the end of this conversation, we'll, we'll have an answer there. So, um, so it is Great. sending this email it should be on its way to you now so okay while we're while we're investigating that particular little fun thing um the way this works is uh we've talked about f- with other things and, and with this when we talked about it the first time a couple of years ago uh is using key pairs and I, again we, we don't want to get too deep here but we want to make sure you understand what it is that, that's happening. And uh, and please, you know, we'll follow this up with a discussion, in a future show. Please correct us if you know, if we get anything that, that you feel is wrong, because I want to make sure our listeners get this right. Uh, when you set up your uh, your keys, you're actually creating two keys. One is public and one is private. And what happens is, in in fact, what just happened when I sent you this email, John, is you had shared with me your public key. And the best part is you can share that with anybody you want. And again, with mail, this happens automatically when John signs a message. It comes along with his public key. And so far uh, and, and mail is smart enough to say, hey, go ahead and store that in the keychain in case we need it uh, in the future. But there is no problem with me having John's public key, because all I can do with John's public key is encrypt messages. I can't even decrypt messages. That I have encrypted with John's public key. But what you have, John, is you also have, hopefully, otherwise this test won't work, uh, hopefully, you still have your private key. And your private key, when combined with your public key, allows you to decrypt any messages sent encrypted with your public key. Uh, so it's totally fine to share your public key with the world. And it's why. I could have an email. Like, I have Pete's public key and I have John's public key. I could actually send a message to both of you, and I, I should have with that one. Yeah. And it would have let me encrypt the message for each of you simultaneously. And we get two separate messages. I'm not or sure what. about that. I wonder how that works. Uh, let me, let's me let do a test. So, uh, let's send to John and Pete. Uh, it, it would have to. It would have to, because so I, I couldn't encrypt I think it
0: away. would be... a it just
2: yeah. knows to correct to encrypt two different.
1: Yeah, you're imp- right. Yeah, no, yeah. it won't. Oh, do I not have your public key on this? I might not have your public key on. The- oh, I don't have an S MIME key for you, Pete, because no, you don't have you're one. Right, that's why. Okay, okay. Uh, that's yeah, going to change soon. I don't think it. I don't think it sends two messages. I. It must. It would have. Well, it would have to put two. It it might not. It might send one email that has two separate. Um, I I I don't know, John. I'm pretty sure that it will create one encrypted
0: block that is decryptable by both of you. Interesting. Uh, pretty I'm pretty- sure that's not how it works because the, the way you described it. So, so the way to think of it is that, so this whole thing uh, surrounds uh, is this is something called public encryption. Right. And the nice thing about it, it's almost like think about the whole nuclear bomb launch thing is that you need two pieces to get anything done. Having one or the other of these keys, one will call the public key and one, the private key, you can't accomplish whatever tasks you're trying to accomplish with only one of them. You need both. Mm. And encrypting uses one to do one part and the other to do the other part. And signing is kind of the reverse. Um, but you need both of them. And, and the whole part of it is that, uh, and the thing to me that's important, I, I don't want to deviate too much here, but no, I think it's important here. So when you generate these keys, Dave, the important part here is this pr- thing called the private key, which is is you. Yes. When you generate a private key, there is Dave Hamilton's private key. There is John Braun's. There is, is uh, Pete's private key. You have to make sure that you do not lose that because if you lose one or the other of these keys now the thing is the public key by nature is, is something you can release to the public but if you ever lose your private key you are in deep trouble oh ab- because absolutely you've just, you've just lost the one piece to of the puzzle that you need to well, unlock. That, that,
1: that, yeah let's get to the the question though because i'm pretty sure yeah. uh and i just pulled out uh i have the email that was sent to both you and me and it was, it is one email. My, my male client sent one email out with one S mime attachment to it that both of us are able to decrypt. So oh. it, it is a, it is an attachment that has, that has probably the same message encrypted twice, I would assume, but I might be wrong about that. But it is one message that both of us are able to decrypt. And if you were to forward what you got back to me, I mm-hmm. could decrypt it. Interesting. Yes. I
2: don't my head around that, but uh, yeah. I, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's mm. really down into the. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah.
0: know, it, it, may work, but... it may be one attachment and maybe one attachment that has one piece that's appropriate for me. And one that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So it is one email. Okay. So, so we've got these key pairs and, uh, and, and that's, that's how this works. Uh, S Mime, which is the technology that's built in to mail, uh, on your Mac and iOS, uh, does it that way. Uh, to get a key pair with s mime though you need to go through you 'll want to most likely go through a certificate authority. you can create your own key pair, but if you do mail on the recipient 's end will be uh will indicate that it has no way of proving you are who you are and will in a and will notify the user this you can if you know what you 're doing go in and say that 's okay I want to trust them anyway uh but In order to get a key that is just universally trusted, you need to go through some service that effectively verifies that you have the email address that you say you do. And so what happens is you go to one of these services and you enter in your name and your email address and you say, I want a public key. And then it's actually very interesting and I've learned a lot more about this. Your browser generates the key pair and then sends through the certificate request all sort of in the background And then you'll get an email saying, "Okay, your certificate's ready to pick up as long as you click the link in this email. And that's their way of confirming that you have the email that you say you have. And then you click it and it goes and downloads the uh, the rest of this uh, certificate, packages it all together in your keychain and you're good to go. And then mail will will work when you're uh, when you're sending email out. And then that's that that's how that works if there there are many ways to get these there are two that I know of that allow you to do it for free uh start s s l allows you to do non commercial certificates for free and uh, we'll put that link in the show notes of course and uh, komodo c o m o d o has a uh, free email certificate and i'm not even sure that that's commercial that, that's uh, personal only that may also be valid for uh, for commercial use so we'll we'll put both of those in the show notes for you though so uh so you can just go to one of these places uh probably want to follow the tutorial that we've listed from allison and uh and you can create your smime keys and and off you go and and that's
0: going to work with the default stuff in mail and it and the reason that it works, so 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 part of this, uh, you know, be careful in here. But if you go to Keychain Access, which is the utility that Apple offers you, that uh for the most part is the place where all their certificates are stored. Yep. The reason that this works and that mail does not yell at you is because uh these guys who the the, the guys who issue these certificates, including Komodo and Start SSL and all that, they have submitted their um public key to apple and you can see them dave if you go into keychain access and you go into uh the system roots part of keychain access you're going to see a big long list of all these people that are called cas or certificate authorities and guess what you're going to see komodo in there and uh, if i look more i bet you i'm going to see start ssl or i better Yeah. Or or whomever they use, they may rely on someone else's authority and and do this chain of of authority, which is which is totally fine. Yep. Right. What's going to happen if if they're not in there, then what's going to happen? And and as Dave said, what you're going to see is when you receive an email that's properly encrypted and signed. And actually, that's the other part of it. I don't know if you mentioned it. But when you receive an email and this is, again, kind of a cool hidden feature in mail is that you're going to see. In the mail header, a little thing saying, oh, this is encrypted and this is signed. Yep. And if it's not encrypted and, and now if it's not signed or encrypted by someone who is in this uh, circle system of trust part, yeah. then it's going to yell at you. Then mail may say, oh, all right, well, it's it's signed or encrypted, but I'm not sure if I, I trust it. And you could override that and y- you probably don't want to. Well, no,
1: actually, there's nothing wrong with that because we're about to talk about GPG tools where you're right, right. doing that all the time. That is the, the M.O. That's the only way to do it. So, yeah, if someone if I choose to create my own uh, email certificate, which you can do with keychain access right there on your Mac, you just go to certificate assistant, you say create a certificate. You say I want to do it for email and it will do it, uh, but it will come across as self signed. But you can then go in and say, that's OK. I want to accept, I want to I want to approve this. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't work well for the majority of the world uh, because they're all seeing it as though it's a, uh, uh, you know, uh, an unsigned certificate. So,
0: So the advantage of using these SMIME certificates and using someone like Komodo or StartSSL is that the mechanism to say that they're legitimate is built in to the keychain and built into the os
1: so folks in the chat room and pilot pete are we doing okay here I have we lost so. you yeah no, no okay I mean, all right still rocking it okay all right good so so this is this, this is the sort of the general technology this is uh we've talked about s mime and how it works in in os 10 mail i i mentioned uh john that we have this other thing called gpg mail which uses uh another open source uh standard if you will called pgp pretty good privacy and gpg is G, gpg tools is an all-in-one suite based on the open source version of pgp which is open pgp and integrates really well with your mac it's it's the version two is new it's only what about a month old but uh but it looks great and what's cool is when you install it uh it defaults to use open PGP, but you can actually right there on your Mac bounce back and forth and choose if you want to do S MIME or open PGP. Um, and, and if you, if I were to choose to send email to somebody that I have one type of certificate for, but not the other, it actually intelligently bounces back and forth. Um, so, which is cool. And, uh, and again, it works the same way, except that you don't go to some website to create your certificate. You go inside the, uh, gpg keychain access application which is a new app installed with gpg tools and uh and you click on you know you click on create it will actually prompt you to create your own key and you create your own key and then uh you can either leave it stored locally keys. only keys sorry public and private thank you john right <laughs> and you can leave them stored locally only or you can choose to upload your public key to a public key server so that if someone's looking to send email to you, they can find that key, which is really handy. So we have actually uploaded Mac Geekcab keys. We've created both sets for Mac Geekcab, and uh, if we sign a message to you, you can send back encrypted to us if you choose. But you can also find GPG or PGP keys uh, out in the uh, in the all the repositories. They're out there for both feedback at macgeekcab.com and uh, and premium at macgeekcab.com. It's actually one key for both because with GPG you can have multiple email addresses on the same key, with S/MIME not quite as easy. So, where do we go from here, John?
0: Uh, at least the way that I have set it up, have it set up here, Dave. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one uh, difference to the user is that if you're doing a PGP or GPG, uh, if you're using that mechanism, initially what's going to happen. Is that if you uh, so before I mentioned so if you get an encrypted and signed email, or you may just get a signed email, or just an encrypted. Though usually people like to use both because sure. I mean they complement each other. One one scrambles the contents, and the other provides identity and also pretty much tells you that the email has not been tampered with. Um, is what a signing operation does. But the thing is, the PGP model relies on you. So rather than what's in your keychain, it relies on you. To define the trust level for each of these certs that you get, or at least that's what I saw when I, I installed it, Dave. I agree with that. Yeah. So what happens is that so if I get a PGP uh, encrypted or Open PGP email from Dave and I double click on the sign uh, on the icon in in mail that says signed by Dave Hamilton, initially it's going to come up and say this is not trusted. Now of course, I trust dave with 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 my life <laughs> <laughs> but of course, I trust Dave right, but it says that because their model rather than involving these guys called c a s they kind of leave the responsibility to you as the user, so they kind of make you a system administrator, and that you're going to say so if I pull in your public key into my keychain into my p. g p. keychain, initially it's going to be listed as a trust level unknown, and that I don't know who this is. So I have to actually go to it and actually say, okay, let me define the level of trust for, for this key that I downloaded from the public key server. And once I do that, then when you double click on it in mail, and sometimes you got to shut everything down and start it up again, sometimes it lags a bit that that's the one okay. thing I found that was kind of annoying. Yep. Yep. Um, then it'll come up. So so if I then say, oh, okay, well Dave Hamilton, yeah, I, I trust him. And I go into the PGP key, GPG keychain utility and say, trust level is something other than unknown. Then when I double click on in Mail, it'll come up and say, "Yeah, uh, I, I, you can trust him." Um. So it, it, it's
2: so it's uh yeah, you sign uh, other guys each other's keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Right. It's a, it's a, so it involves rather than automating the process in that oh well if you went to this you know company that has a certificate in the Apple keychain it's trusted here it leaves the user to define the level of trust for things you pull in here. Yep. So, uh, and, to me, that uh, I mean, the fair, underlying technology is the same. Is that it's all public key and stuff like that? But right. it's it, it, it's leaving more of the responsibility for defining some of this. Not to say that it it, it, it doesn't work. No, it does right. work. But oh, it's, yeah. it, it's a, a different model in that it leaves more of the 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 it leaves it to the user to define the trust a hundred percent the, the identity. Yeah. Yes.
1: That's right. No, that's good. Um. Where was I going to go with this? I had somewhere I wanted to go.
0: Uh, man, I had... It was good, too. It was well, good. I'll go somewhere else here, Dave. Right, go ahead. Now, here's, yeah. here's perhaps one of the downsides here. So the thing is, as we mentioned, if you dig into your system and you look at the raw email files, as we mentioned, normally it's a, you can just double-click on this ELMX file, Yep. and you'll see everything. Now, you know what's going to happen if you double-click on one of those files and you're not running um, the appropriate crypto program you're going to see a big block of incomprehensible gibberish. And actually, it's probably going to pr- be preceded with something like uh, PGP. I forget the exact wording, but it's it's actually an attachment, and it's actually preceded by something. Uh, I think it's like encrypted PGP. I'm trying to remember, but but it's bas- suffice to say, you will not be able to read this without the help of running either uh, uh, mail with the s-mime installed properly or the the gpg extensions and that the content on your hard drive uh, someone cannot take those raw files and read them yes that's right. Because that's what I want to make sure of. That's and right. Likewise, when they're stored on the server, and I saw this. So, so the other kind of downsides here. So, for example, when you and I were playing with this, yeah, I could read these emails. So, you and I were initially using OS X because I think OS X's implementation is better than iOS, or <laughs> it's a little more straightforward. Well, trying to get this stuff to work on iOS is uh, you got to jump through some hoops it, here. But the thing is, it actually if you're on works a system, with S
1: mime, okay. and if and and if you follow the tutorial with S mime, it works great on iOS uh but with uh what you have to do in order to make it work on iOS I'm not going to go into too much detail but you you have to create the key pair on your Mac and get it all there in your keychain and then export it in a format that iOS can read and this format will have both your public and private key in it and you will protect that with a password and and then you'll take that to your iPhone you the best the easiest way is to email it security in mind Uh, And then, and then you just install it and it, and once it's installed, it's, it's easy. Right. But with GPG, iOS does not work. Uh, You will get, you know, like John said, you'll either get a message that looks like gobbledygook or you'll see something more more likely, you'll see something with an attachment and you need a third party app to do it. There's, there's one that's free, but very limited. Uh, It only lets you encrypt or decrypt. I think five messages before you've got to pay. So um, so, what's the one you're using, Pete? I think it was uh, Mailflow? No, oh, I'm, on iOS, iOS is uh, uh, IPG Mail. IPG Mail. It's a dollar ninety nine. There you go. Uh, yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. That's so. There you go. It's it's clunky though to get to get PGP to work on on iOS. That's, now I got
0: one, Dave. So it's a freebie. Yeah, but that's so that they the actually that's have the one. A light version. That's the problem well, open, with that. Well, Open GP, it's called.
1: Yeah, I I know that's the one I have and I just if you use it enough it will fail on you and tell you you have to buy it.
0: And I Well no, I got the free Well, I got the free version. The, the problem is the free version you got to do some manual cut and paste. No. There's also a, Stop oh, and listen right. to what I'm saying. I I if, am listening and I have if, not seen it tell me it yeah, will not work. Yeah. After okay. 5 or maybe 10 messages Open
1: GP Lite will tell you you have to pay in order to use it. And and I'm and listen, I'm totally fine with having to pay to use it, but That was a surprise to me, and I do not like surprises when I need to decrypt emails. So I much prefer to pay up front and know that I'm never going to have crippleware. So, yeah, if you're going to go for OpenGP, just use—unless you're just using it to test very lightly. But if you're going to rely on it in any way, shape, or form, do not get the light version of OpenGP because it will shut down on you. I think it's only five decryptions, and it's done, which is not good. Bummer yeah it's bad news it's bad shame on them for not making that uh, like way too clear well yeah no that wasn't
0: clear to me at all right that's what i'm saying it's kind of clunky but uh, you know it works you got to manually cut and paste here and there but yeah huh yeah Yeah. shame on them (laughs) Yep. (laughs) now to get back to what we were talking about here the the thing is when the stuff is stored on the email server whether it be pop or it doesn't really matter the good news, well, the bad news is if you don't have a utility, then it's going to look like good. the thing is, the good news is that the content that's stored on the email server is encrypted. Right. And if anybody comes along and grabs it, unless they, uh, you know, work for a three letter agency or have your keys, they won't be able to make heads or tails of what's on the server. And
1: even if they work for a three letter agency, they won't have your keys. (laughs) I'm making some assumptions here. (laughs) Well, yeah, but but that's I mean, that's the point of this, right, is is to to ensure that it's encrypted. A three letter agency could, in theory, they could set up a honeypot and create a key of their own that they attach to your email address and then try to convince your, uh, you know, your nefarious partners to encrypt with that key instead. But, uh, but you wouldn't be able to decrypt anything sent with that key because you don't have the private key for it and they don't have the private key for the one you created. So there's no, there's no three letter agency that's going to be able to decrypt
0: this stuff through anything but a brute force attack. You know. that'll,
2: that'll take a week or two. <laughs> that'll take a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that was my argument okay. in that I, I know in the past uh, certain three-letter agencies have uh, either installed backdoors or influenced the development of crypto algorithms to make it easier for them to do things than other people. Yes. So, uh, but but, but, but uh, I, I would say between the two, you're getting pretty much, yeah, an equivalent level of... Right, right.
2: I was going to say The only other downside On having it encrypted On your mail server For IMAP And that sort of thing Makes it unsearchable
1: It does there. Yeah so, you know. so John To wrap this up Search for that phrase Did you find it? Because I did not uh, And I sent the email And I can't find that phrase Alright Hold on uh, what, the fr- what was the uh I pasted again? it in the chat room Oh hold on Mac hold on. keycap on. is live now Come and get it No spaces
0: Yeah, I got nothing. No, so... Okay. Well, that's probably a good thing that, that yeah. I can't... Now, there may be a... The, uh, who knows? There may be a spotlight plugin that, that would allow this. Um, oh, that's true. It's, uh, that's totally possible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it's possible. Now, the only other downside... Now, the only hiccup I ran into today... I was testing it with one of my friends here, and I'm actually working with my ISP. So he tried to send me an encrypted email, and what happened is his mailer, Damon sent him an email saying remote host reported the following. Um, And it was a semantic. And I believe semantic makes software that can run on email servers. And it basically said um, semantic antivirus um, didn't like this attachment because it doesn't know what it is. So it's going to assume it's a virus and reject it. Fascinating. And then I got online with my eyes. It's interesting because semantic um, owns PGP now. (laughs) yes they do so so um so i'm actually working with my isp and and we're kind of getting to a finger pointing thing like i called up and they're like oh well call up apple because you know it's through the app store that the you know the software that your friend is using is from the app store so call apple and i'm like yeah right yeah right <laughs> like Apple's going to support that if anything the vendor is going to support it but the only caution here is that some virus scanners may identify these encrypted attachments as something that's that's funny and will and will spit it back they yeah. should get a you know a bounce or a reject or something like that that's the only hiccup i ran into uh and it's only with this one ios client that my friend is using so i suspect it's it's a fault with that and not yeah it could hopefully be. not the the mechanism or but his but mail everything server, that you yeah. and everything that you and i have sent to each other has oh, uh, great. gotten through so. yeah and pete pete started sending me
1: to me too i mean it, you yeah. found my key on the yeah. on the uh repository and yeah right on the key server well yeah. i can't find john's John John has chosen not to publish his key, and I'm oh. not sure why. Maybe we could ask well, him. Well, I'll tell you why. I'll publish it for you.
0: <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I have it. it. Who's your buddy? <laughs> well, no. Here, here's the, here's the other issue that with PGP. So the thing is now, Dave. If you search for my name, so so another one of the features of. Um, the gpg suite is that you can search this server that people upload their public keys to here's the problem is i've had more than one person come to me and say uh yeah hi john are you still at jbron at ct1.nai.net which was an email address i had when i used to be with nai.net which is isp when i used to live in weston and i don't even think they exist actually if you go to nai.net it brings you to rcn so they acquired them at some point i guess but The only bad news here, and that's why I'm cautious, is that if you upload a key to a public key server... Oh, it's there forever. It's there forever, unless I think you can do something, which it gets into some of the terminology, but it's worth talking about, I think, is called revocation. The problem is, if you don't have the private key, which the thing is, yes, it was on my Mac, but I don't think I have a backup of my Mac back from 15 years ago, which is when I think I generated this key, then, well tough luck so so this gets back to the point i was making is that if you're going to generate a key pair that's yours make a backup and back then i, I, I wasn't have religious have, a, as I about have a, backups i have a suggestion because you
1: don't want to mm-hmm. store your key pairs on dropbox right defeating the purpose handing your private key to someone else but you could oh, store certainly it not. or you could store it on your transporter right mm-hmm. and then you can access it from anywhere just saying, this is this is one of those times where private cloud is awesome. And it just, not just transport, any private cloud would would work very well for that. Um, yeah, I had the same problem as you. I had I have two keys on the server that I never that on the in the public key servers that I never use anymore. One of them for uh, jazbo at AustinTX.net. I was able to revoke that one. I actually found my private key for that in my archives. Mm. And that was from like 97. And then in 99, I created a davidmacobserver.com key. And I have no idea where the private key for that is. So that one's still out there. If you want to get me, find the new one. It's dated 2013. So there you go. So. And you can set them to to expire, which you should do because that way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That way you don't run into this
0: problem. So. So the only advice to people is that if you're going to use either of these systems, Back up your keychain, especially the private key. But I would say just in general, back up the key or just make backups for goodness sake. Right. Right. <laughs> well, you
1: know, we, we, we deal with backups and, and we deal with data. Diff- I know I do. I deal with data way differently than I did back in 1999. I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah. Way Absolutely. differently. You know, yeah. I've learned. And uh, hopefully you've learned too. Okay. So that's enough of that for today. One last suggestion. Oh uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. I no, no, this is good. Uh,
2: well, and this is what I'm doing with my key now because I couldn't find the passphrase to revoke one of my old keys. It's in one password. And oh, that's hopefully good. you'll continue to keep it. So my passphrase for my certificates yeah. are now in one password and I can pull them up. Yeah. In right. In
1: the Storing future. them somewhere securely. Right. That's it. Right. Yep. No, that's good. Yeah. That's no, that's great. No, thank you for interrupting with that. That's good stuff. well well.
0: no (laughs) that was good one
1: more like that but wait there's less um okay michael writes listening to your praises of the apple tv i thought i would take the plunge and not buy one but two apple tvs before doing so i would like to know if the following two scenarios are possible scenario one one apple tv is connected to an hd tv in room one the second apple tv to a tv in room two can I set a movie to play on the first Apple TV and have it synchronized with the second Apple TV so that the same movie is playing in the two rooms simultaneously? The answer is no, at least not without, you know, calling down uh, downstairs and upstairs and pressing play at the same time and all of that stuff. No, Apple TV does not work that way for video iTunes. And I believe only iTunes on your Mac does have the capability of sending audio to multiple um to multiple devices simultaneously and that includes an Apple TV. So you can send audio to multiple Apple TVs or like your airport express John uh, and
0: that'll work, but not video. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. I was thrilled. Yeah. I brought up the airport menu that kind of magically appears in iTunes and yep. it's like, oh well here's your Express and uh Oh, do you want to send it to your computer, too? Yeah. And I'm like,
1: oh. Which I is cool. It's great like. having it
0: in sync. It's like, you know, you're a poor man's Sonos kind of thing. It's, good. it's good. I wonder why. I speculate. Now, I think technically it's possible to send an audio video stream to two places at once. Of so course it is. I'm just thinking it may be a hard technical problem because syncing audio and video in and of itself is a hard problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and sending it to multiple places. Uh, the, so I don't know if it's bandwidth or just uh, you know it's not ready for prime time yet. It's too bad. Yeah, yeah, we'll see it at some point. I can't Apple TiVo? Do There's other people I, I, doing have, it. Have you have yeah. you done the multi room TiVo thing? I, I know it's available. I only have one not destination. Really.
1: Not with the new TiVo Stream. No, I'm still doing it the old way where we just copy stuff back and forth from one TiVo oh. to another.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I should
1: play with that TiVo stream. That that that's interesting. And the stream is built into kind of the upper level models of the new TiVo Romeo. So yeah, that Romeo. would be Romeo. Romeo. That's right. <laughs> oh, oh, that cracks me up because Yes, yeah. Juliet. That's right. All right. So scenario number two, Michael, asks is can I display my MacBook screen? Finder applications, documents, etc. on the TV through the Apple TV. And as in scenario one, can I connect my can my MacBook be simult simultaneously uh, <laughs> for you to say. Yeah, it sure is. Uh simultaneously be displayed in room two. So we already know the answer to number two, no. Uh you can't you know the second part of number two, no. We can't do video simultaneously in two places. However, you can do uh what's called airplay, where you can you can show your MacBook screen uh on your TV. You can you can do it one of two ways. You can mirror to it or you can you can treat it like a separate display for video only. Uh, And you can do the same thing with your iPhone or iPad as long as it's got a dual core processor. So iPhone 4S or later, iPad 2 or later, which includes the iPad mini and iPod touch 5. All of those are capable of doing this. And it's so cool. It's one of the best things about having an apple tv is being able to you know pop stuff up and and just you know it it doesn't matter what device you have in your hand (laughs) as long as it's apples uh and uh and you can you know you get it's so cool so yeah absolutely you can do that um and you know you can set mirroring on or not and and oftentimes on my iphone say i'll set mirroring off but i'll set it to display on the apple tv and what that accomplishes is i can go on youtube and Find the video that I want to play and my Apple TV remains, you know, blank or showing the screen flow of, uh, of pictures from our vacation or whatever that it does on. It's, you know, it's it's screensaver. And then as soon as I hit play, it doesn't display it on my iPhone. It displays it in all its glory up on the Apple TV. And uh, it's cool. It's fun. We we wind up doing a lot of stuff that way. It's great if you've taken a video. You know, we went to uh, Maker Fair. We went to a mini Maker Fair this weekend here in, in Dover. John and I took a bunch of videos in there. Yeah. Oh, they're cool. What's a a maker, maker fair. So make magazine, uh, years ago started this maker fair thing in, uh, in California. I think, I think in the Bay area, it might've been down in San Diego, but anyway, and, uh, it's for, it really is for people that are just, uh, creating stuff, you know, inventing. So
0: it's a publication called maker. Is that it? Or a magazine? Make,
1: make magazine, which has been around forever but the the, the fair is called maker fair and it's just where people can come and show crazy stuff that these, that they've done. And it was so popular out there that, that they've, They've commissioned a bunch of what they call mini maker fairs. And we had one in, in Dover. It was huge. Yeah, okay. We spent like three hours there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's stuff all over the map. But, you know, the cool stuff was like, um, I mean, there was a company there that, that, that trains people how to like, pick locks. And I learned how to pick a lock, which I'd never done before. So oh, was cool. I saw that. I yeah. saw you
0: post a picture of that. Yeah. A five
1: tumbler, right? Five I did. I, I started it? with a one tumbler and I got up to a five. I couldn't get the six. Um, but, wow.
0: uh, yeah, have you picked the lock in your house yet or no, but I know exactly
1: what to do. It's way easier than, <laughs> than I ever thought. Um, no. And there was this one woman that showed up and she's like, Oh, you have the real tools. She says, I always make my own. And everybody there was like, you know, heads whipped, like what? And it's like this, you know, kind of frumpy housewife looking person. And she's but, like, yeah, I'm constantly uh, locking myself out of the house. And so, uh, you know, I just use like a hairpin (laughs) or whatever to pick my locks. And the guys are like, whoa, you
0: know, they're like bowing to her. And she's like, but this, these are real tools. These would be great to have. (laughs) I'm hoping the cops weren't like yeah. hoping the. But I think also- in many states, having lock picks is considered uh, n- naughty. Oh, is that right? You can buy them on Amazon. Well, unless li- mm. well I think unless you're a licensed locksmith, uh, the, the, those could be considered burglary per- Somebody better buy them for me quick right. on Amazon, then so get them off my wish list. Um, no, they, um, mm-hmm.
1: it, they. But there was also a guy there. It was it was awesome, and I know I'm I'm tangentializing here, but uh, he um, he had a toaster. That he'd put a, a circuit inside it that played uh, the 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 um, Jack in the Box song, you know, Hop uh, Goes the Weasel, and it would play this. And when it finished the song, the toast would pop out, and it was. And he and he caught it as it popped out, and I was like, dude, that's awesome! Like, you know, this is great. And he says, yeah, it's funny. He says, I had to put the music in because my initial goal was not to make it play music he said I changed the spring so that it would shoot the toast way out. And I wanted to be able to catch it. He said, but as soon as I did that, it worked. I could catch it, but I had no idea when the toast was coming so I had to put the music in so that I would know when the toast was oh, coming out. Funny. Yeah, it was awesome. So there was tons of stuff like that. Just people making crazy things. So anyway, we got home from the maker fair and had some videos on my iPhone that I'd taken of some of these crazy people. And we just were able to sit on the couch and run through them and play them. And so, so yes, that's uh to bring it all back home. That's where the, uh, that's where the
0: Apple TV stuff goes. It's good. It's good. It's fun. I like it. Nice. Our chat room looks in rough shape here. I'm not sure what's going on.
1: I know. Well, there's people coming in and out. It's, it's people on their iPhones as they're driving, I think, is, uh, is what mm-hmm. happens. And they get bounced, and then they can come back, uh, you know, as they, as they jump cells and, and lose the stream. Bro, don't cross yeah. the streams. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. A couple more. You want to do Brian, or are we going to skip that one again?
0: No. Let's do it. Go. I think it's a... Go. Hi, Dave and John brian said that for years my wife used an old imac g5 desktop in the kitchen for email and some minor web surfing i'd kept the machine running over the years oh awesome i love this <laughs> more as a hobby than anything else but recently it died again and i have no desire to try and fix a machine that old it ran os X 10 10.5.8 leopard question mark anyways Anyway, I found out that she had been keeping her address book on the machine. There is, however, a super-duper backup of the old machine as well as a time machine backup, both on an external drive. Question is, is there any way to rescue that address book data and use it in her new iPad? My iMac, Mountain Lion, won't read the old files. Any thoughts from you guys? Appreciate it. Go. Okay. Give it the best I can here. So number one, thank goodness he has a backup. So good thing you have a backup. Sounds like you've already tried to transfer whatever files are in uh, user directory, library, application support, address book. Uh, specifically, there's a file called address book dash V2 abcddb So that is last I checked the file where address book stores. It's a uh, Contents. Uh, even though it's called contacts now, that's still the name of the file. Right. These are my systems. Here. Okay. So it's, so, um, so it sounds like he's tried that and it didn't work. Failing that, what I would suggest, though I know he wants to retire the system here. If he can get it up and running, I'm hoping that the version of address book on that OS, and I do not have that version of OS running, believe it or not. But I'm hoping that address book, at least hopefully the address book in that version has some sort of export option because the current version of address book or context does. And you're going to find this if you go under file and then export. And at least the the last two versions that I've seen here is that they will show two options there. One is export vCard, which is pretty much a standard for address data. And then the other is Export contacts archive, which is more a uh, specific to uh, to the Apple ecosystem yep. so that's that 's really the best I can do there, uh, short of bringing in that DB file is try to again you know, give it one last startup and try to do an export and see if you can pull that data in. I, I would bet on the V card format being probably you may lose something but I'd say i 'd say I hope that does it for him.
1: Yeah, there's no. I mean, there's an address book .dot data file that lives out there too. Yeah, it it it's it used to be like way back. It stored everything as a vcard all the time, and then that went away when they put it inside a database, presumably because it's much faster to access. But uh, but that leaves us with this this situation here. It probably is a SQLite SQLite. Uh, database Uh because that tends to be what is used for core data. So you might be able to mess with that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's not, uh yeah, I think your, your solution of, you know, trying to get it to boot one last time or finding a machine that's running that and just putting that entire folder that, you know, that home library application support address book, put that whole folder in startup address book and, uh and export everything out. That would that's that's what I got right yep yeah mm-hmm. okay good um, I, and I know Pilot Pete's got to go shortly here because uh, he's actually got to go fly he's been sitting there, there here this whole time in his flight uniform John he told
2: me it was a formal show I wore my tie you know, <laughs> <laughs> You've uh, got but, his stripes on and everything You'll actually change yeah, into yeah.
1: scrubs once you get on the plane, won't you?
2: Uh, only for long distance Okay Yeah, I only oh. do that for the long haul That if makes going sense going out to Honolulu or something like that Then Yeah yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, yeah.
1: But in the airport you got to
2: look uh, respectable yeah, gotta, That's you, right If you don't look good That's right <laughs> <Scrubs>? <laughs> yeah, You're not getting through security That's right Yeah, my well, long also, haul you We do long haul international because there's no passengers We change into, you know, some guys wear Sweatpants uh, Sweatpants, yeah, scrubs, that kind of stuff I wear scrubs
1: Scrubs
0: probably because they're, they're easy to pack. E- light. light,
2: lightweight, easy to yeah. pack, comfortable.
0: Yeah. Cool. Cause I think you were hinting at, you got to look good to feel good. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Fernando. That's right.
1: So, uh, very quickly, I did want to tell you because, uh, I don't know if you have seen it yet, but I went and saw the jobs movie last night. The, uh, the one with Ashton Kutcher. Have you seen it, John?
0: I typically wait for things to come out on discs. So
1: okay. No. So no. Okay. That's an easy answer. Um, so it, this is inter- It's an interesting movie. If you are a fan of Apple and and the whole story, uh, it's a, a I think you would enjoy seeing it. Um, but it really, you know, it reminded me of seeing the first Harry Potter movie. I had read the book. I was really excited about seeing the movie. And then I went to the theater and I watched this series of vignettes where someone had realized on screen Their representation of what these scenes that we had read about in the book looked like. That's how this movie felt to me too. It was a lot of scenes. I'm not sure. uh, It either needed to be longer or shorter. There was, there was just enough information in there to confuse the heck out of someone that did not know the whole arc. Uh, But, it was cool to see a lot of this stuff realized, like meetings at the Homebrew Computer Club and, you know, the first uh, West Coast Computer Fair where they were. And, and, and even the, you know, the, the, jo- the uh, Jobs Family Garage in Palo Alto, where they, you know, started pulling this stuff together. That was that was good. You see Steve Jobs Street in Palo Alto now where he, you know, he, he did a walk with Gil Emilio. So a lot of this stuff was cool. And Ashton Kutcher did a fantastic job. Uh, as Steve Jobs, I mean, off the charts good. It, hmm. It's so good that there were moments like where you'd see a you know see him from the back or from the side or whatever you weren't actually seeing his face, and you if if somebody said oh by the way here that that's actually Steve Jobs they just had some B roll footage they just showed uh, you'd say oh okay that's great because of course it looks just like him he really he he grocked the whole character, but um, but it needed more editing it was weird uh, there there was they. There was one scene that Lisa asked me about. My wife asked me about afterwards where like they just suddenly jumped to jobs being at home in uh, his house with his, his widow now Lorene and, but his first daughter was there in the house with him, which did happen. He did reconcile with her and she lived with them for, for a period of time, but they talk. they didn't talk about any of that. They didn't talk about that. He had gotten married. They didn't talk about how he had reconciled with her. And so, my wife was like totally confused. She's like, was Loreen Lisa Brennan's mom? I didn't think so, but this was confusing. And so, but it was good. And if, again, if you're a, if you're a fan of this, uh, uh, you know, and if you're, if you've listened this far to this particular episode, I'm pretty sure you are go and see it, uh, you know, in the theater or, or when it comes out on DVD, but, uh, but yeah, don't, don't expect brilliance unless they reedit before the, uh, before the DVD comes out. Although you will see brilliance in, in Kutcher's performance. Uh, Josh Gad as as Steve Wozniak, I knew going in that they were not trying to uh, accurately portray Woz. They were more using him as a Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. You know, they were playing Steve Jobs. He he was playing Steve Jobs conscience more than he was playing Woz. I mean, he, you know, he played the character of Woz and they had him in the right places at mostly the right times. But uh, but, he, you know, as far as the movie yeah. was concerned, he was more, you know, Steve's conscience, Jobs's conscience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But did it kind of get across uh, – I mean, to me, if you had to kind of encapsulate Steve, it was a guy who personally was kind of a jackass, but he was able to motivate people to make awesome products, and he had good design sense. That's exactly what they communicated, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: No, they did. Okay, they, that I know there's more got. to
0: it. Right. And actually, we talked about this uh, on yesterday's Mac Roundtable, but there's okay. still a book that I think is one of the better books, and, and although it's dated, called The Journey is the Reward, and it's talking about the early days of jobs and yep. uh, you know, and some of the terrible things that he did to.
1: <laughs> well, that, a lot of that stuff was rehashed.
0: <laughs> even more, Nawaz. more accurately
1: in his bio, though. Right, uh, right. You know, okay, I have, journey. I, I'll have to read. You got to read the bio. Yeah, you'll you'll see. The journey is the reward. Uh, was good at the time, but I think it's it's yeah. it's past its time now, and it's it's out of date. And there's there because well, yeah. the, no, new information has come out. You know that that sort well, of well, it didn't cover that. his resurgence, but yes. it also it, it was it also was not factually correct about everything that it, hmm. that it, that, it, no. uh, that okay. it aimed to be factually correct about only because nobody had really spoken. I mean, jobs hadn't spoken until, mm-hmm. you know, this book with, uh, with, with Walter Isaacson. So yeah, no, it's good. It was good. I liked it. Um, you know, like I said, it was good to see. I'm curious to see what Aaron Sorkin does with this Sony pictures movie. Uh, I'm sure the story will be better, uh, because of everyone that's involved. However, if they do not get someone to portray jobs, at least as good as Kutcher did, that movie will be seen as a failure. Um, because Hmm. that part, they totally got here, uh, with this, uh, in in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, but it was, you know, it was good. It was fun. Good, a good, uh, good movie. You know, the one thing I want to say though, and I know Pete's got to go here, but, um, we've got all these movies and I get that there, that this movie was a movie about Steve jobs, but for for those of us that lived kind of you know as kids at at the time when all of this was happening and I'm I'm speaking about you and me John us <laughs> that's us right you know jobs was not seen as the hero at least not for me and I don't think for you either it was was i mean you know when they released the apple
0: 2gs well, as the engineer, he was so, the was to me was was to me was the engineering hero to me, if anything. Yeah. Uh, at least in the early days. Uh, Jobs was the marketing hero, but he wasn't. I wouldn't even have used the term hero. I mean, he was just this. Well, I, no, but he he was the marketing part of absolutely. Apple, at least early on. Right. And, and then I think he evolved maybe into more the designer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Right. That's and right. He influenced the design I, and, and the whole Apple ecosystem. He kind of helped uh, shape that from like the battle days of like Emilio and all that where you had well, 500 models think, of I
1: think he helped shape it initially too. It just wasn't all that obvious to those of us that were geeks at the time. It really was was and Apple knew this, right? I mean, you didn't get an Apple 2GS with Jobs's signature on the front. You got the WAS edition. There was no Jobs edition, you know. Uh, So it's, it's, it's interesting that that story seems to have been lost a little bit. Um, And it'd be interesting if it, if it comes back around, you know, as, 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 as time marches on, I, I'm not convinced it will, but, uh, but, you know, it's something. So with that. I think it's time. Peter, are you going to duck out or are you going to make it through the end of the, uh, the show? No, uh, I'm going to blast as soon as, you, as soon as you're out, I'll blast. Okay, all right. So, uh, you can contact us. We've already said the addresses once when we, when we spoke about mail, but we will say them again. And that is, uh, if you want to contact us, feedback at MacEcap.com is the
0: address to send to it's always worth repeating Dave that it's feedback at macgab.com That's right and if you are a premium member premium at Macgab.com
1: is the address that you get to send stuff to and uh, and we do we do make sure that that one is dealt with uh, on a, on a uh, accelerated schedule.
0: right. Okay. um, Worth mentioning again here, Dave. You mentioned it here. Um, I'm not sure how many iTunes reviews we have, but they are very valuable. They help give the show exposure, Um, and I think we're getting there. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'd love to see us get to uh, to 400 iTunes reviews in the U.S. store by the end of August. Um, We put that out on Twitter. I think I think we need about another 40.
0: I gotta say, well, I think you saw. I sent you a screenshot, Dave. I gotta say, I'm very humbled here. But the last time I clicked on the technology section in iTunes, did you see this one? Yeah, it's number ten. Yeah. Like, no, wow. it's great. So we thanks you know. to all of you. If 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 people did not listen to the show but also comment on it we wouldn't be up there so thank you so much
1: yeah no absolutely yeah so uh, so go check it out and uh leave us a review we would we would very much appreciate it it's basically the only way that we have of telling the itunes store folks that we should be featured or it's the only way you and mass have i can email them and tell them we should be featured but that doesn't go over quite as well for obvious reasons. Uh, 206-666-GEEK is the address uh, The address you type into your phone to call us. <laughs>
0: it's like an IP address, but it's not. And that's 4335.
1: Thank you, John. You can uh, find us on Twitter. MacGeekGab is the show. John F. Braun is that guy. Pilot Pete is this guy. Dave Hamilton is me. And, uh, of course, you can see the headlines from Mac Observer at, uh, at Mac Observer on Twitter as well.
0: One nice thing, John. Facebook's. Go. Facebook.com slash Geb is where you can see uh, when the next show will be, uh, when the show notes are posted, and uh, and some discussion among uh, all of you. That'll do it. Yep. Uh, We'd like to thank Michael Johnston at
1: the the We Have Communicators podcast, also at GetAppler.com. He has converted this episode and pretty much every other episode we've ever done to AAC, adding all those chapters and links for you. So I hope you appreciate that. I know you do, because when we ask you if you do, you say yes. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, We also want to thank Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, for... All the bandwidth they provide. It's a beautiful thing. The podcast marketplace includes BB Edit from Barebone Software, Yojimbo from Barebone Software as well, Text Expander, PDF pen, disc label, all from Smile, Gazelle.com, Squarespace slash MGG8, I believe, and of course, Warby Parker, you uh, get your glasses faster with the ship coupon code through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. Pete, before you fly, I have some advice for you, my friend. All right, I'm listening. Are you? Here I am. Don't get caught.
3: (laughs) Made up.